A lot of Muslim women grow up thinking that they're second-class citizens. So when Jamie Staples talks with someone like that, she loves sharing how much God loves that woman. When she hears for the first time that the Good Shepherd is, is calling her name, that he knows her name, and that in Isaiah says he, he holds her close to his chest. When you see him whisper into her ear and her, and her hear that message for the first time, it, it's powerful because it's breaking through a, a lifetime of lies that have been fed to her. And she's seeing for the first time that God actually adores her. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Does it feel like sharing your faith with a Muslim would be difficult? Like you're not prepared or trained for it, like you don't know enough, you don't have all the answers? Last week here on Voice of the Martyrs radio, Jamie Staples gave us such helpful insight on speaking with Muslims about Jesus. If you missed that episode, go to vomradio.net and listen to it. Today, she's going to encourage you to be yourself, develop friendships, and show love, and then let God do the rest. Jamie's the director of women's ministry for the Crescent Project. That's an organization that hosts very helpful conferences called Without Borders, and we're going to talk some more about those later on today. That's a training conference for women to learn how to more effectively share the gospel with Muslim women. And they've developed a curriculum that I highly recommend. It's on DVDs for our small group study. It's called Bridges. It is outstanding. Jamie, welcome back to VOM Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Jamie, can you tell us about some of the Americans who have been through this training and really got it. They, they grabbed a hold of this. They said, wow, this is something I can do. Yeah, this has been my favorite part of the job. I get to hear stories from Muslim women who have found Christ, and that is an amazing aspect. But seeing the impact of what we're doing is, is truly humbling for me. And, and I'll tell you this, there is some, if you don't mind me saying, some negative attitudes about the American church. And I'm here to tell you that if it's a remnant, maybe it's a remnant, but there is a remnant. Of, of an amazing group of believers who are profoundly committed to sharing the gospel with anyone, uh, but willing to open their minds to sharing the gospel with Muslims. And for me to meet those individuals has just been a true joy. I'll tell you the story of a person who was at a Without Borders conference in Atlanta, and she will tell you that, that when we talked about seeing Muslims as sheep from another pen, as Jesus saying, they are my image bearers and I am committed to bringing them in uh, to the pasture, that the Lord just grabbed her heart with that. And she soaked in everything from that conference. But we also had a number of partner ministries there at the event. And she immediately connected with one who could, through Skype, put her in contact with what ended up being two women in Iraq. Wow. And she, I'm going to tell you, I have never seen anything like this, but she did some training for six weeks with this organization. They put her in contact with two gals in Iraq. And that conversation in an immensely short period of time has moved from, hello, my name is, and most recently the email that I got from her, they were asking questions about heaven. 
And I don't think I've ever seen it happen quite that dramatically. And but she was just rattled by that. She's like, I never thought this would come, you know, so soon. But these women are trusting me already. Over Skype. Over Skype. That's amazing. It is amazing. And this is what I love about technology. Say what you want about Facebook or other, you know, technology. But it gives us this open door to reach into places. And they're there and they're waiting and they're completely willing to have these conversations. And and the cool thing about her story is that Iraq seemed really far away in her mind. But after a few weeks of getting to know these women via Skype, there was a bombing in their hometown. And she emailed me and said, I'm on the floor weeping. You know, what if, what if it was them? And I haven't had the chance yet to share the gospel with them. And I just told her, you know what? God's in control. God's sovereign. You have already planted the word in their mind and the word never comes back void. So God's in control. Of course, they're still alive and she's, you know, excited about that. But the connection that it made to be able to be in contact with someone halfway around the world brought that whole scenario very close to home for her. It just changed the entire picture and certainly reinforced the urgency of the need to share the gospel, both here domestically and also uh, around the world. How often do you find, uh, as you encounter Muslim women, that they've had some type of supernatural encounter, a dream or a vision or, you know, something where they say, well, how interesting that you bring that up. I just had this dream or I just had this experience. How common is that? Almost always. I I wouldn't say uh, dreams and visions are almost always, but for someone to say, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking that's almost always. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's his business, is is preparing her heart and then introducing someone at exactly the right moment. Now, statistically, uh, I've been told that four out of seven Muslims who have come to know Christ will tell you that there was a dream or a vision involved. And and certainly my experience is that that is absolutely true. It's very common for them to have a dream and a vision because they're, they're very open to that. They have a, a much deeper appreciation for the spiritual realm of things than, than maybe we're accustomed to. Uh, so it's very, very common. Uh, but always the seed has been planted before we ever even arrive. Always. And, and you know what sometimes is, is frustrating, Todd, is that we don't know that at the time that we're sharing with somebody. One of our ministry friends was a, a Muslim born in Saudi Arabia and actually was pursuing the the avenue of becoming an extremist and came to the United States as a student. And he will tell you in his testimony that he never led on to the host family that was sharing the gospel with him, that was loving him. He never led on that he was just wrought with tension about the things he was seeing and the things that he was hearing from them. And so I put myself in, in their shoes you know, let's say I invite a student into my home or a refugee into my home or, or a friend from work who's born and raised in the United States their whole life, and they see me pray with my family, or they see me read the scripture with my kids, or they see me putting scripture into my everyday life. I may not see what's going on inside their heart, and likely I won't, but I have to believe and I have to know because of all the stories that I've heard, God is doing something in them. And I don't know what my role is in this. I may never get the opportunity to see them except Christ, but I know that his word never comes back void. And so every time I have the opportunity to throw in scriptural truths or to live out scriptural truths, I know that it's falling on fertile soil because God is preparing their heart or he wouldn't have brought them to me. Yeah. And I think one part of that is in our marriages. As they see you and your husband treating each other with love and respect and honor and 
that doesn't always happen in Muslim marriages. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen in Christian marriages. But that's an impacting thing uh, to, for them to see that. Wait a minute. Your husband loves you? Wow. That's <laughs> I have such a great story about that. Share it. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was in East Africa, there was a, a Somali woman that I invited into my home. And I was trying to follow the rule book, you know, making sure that I was doing everything right, that I wasn't going to offend her, that I wasn't going to serve pork, that I wasn't going to do anything wrong. Unfortunately, she came to my house, and for whatever reason, my husband was still home and hadn't gone to the office yet. And I'm stressing, and I'm putting pressure on him. I'm like, you need to leave because this is going to make her really uncomfortable, you know. And I'll never forget why I remember this. I don't even know. But he came downstairs, and we had a very platonic exchange about who was going to pick up our kids or something like that. And he kissed me on the cheek as he does every day, and he left. And that was it. And I had a great tea with her. I enjoyed her, you know, that. And she left. And, and then I would continually invite her to come back. And she would always tell me, inshallah, which, of course, just means probably not. It, it literally means if God wills. But I knew it probably meant, you know, not. Yeah. And right before I left uh, East Africa, I asked a, a good friend of mine, another Somali believer. I said, you know, I have invited her and invited her. And I always make sure to tell her my husband will not be home. It will just be us, you know, trying to make her more comfortable because I'm sure it, you know, reeled her. And she said to me, oh, Jamie, you're so confused. And I said, what? And she said, the reason she always asks you if your husband is going to be home is because she was so moved by what she saw. And I told, I told my friend, I'm like, saw what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What did she see? Yeah. We talked about nothing. There was no, oh my darling, you know, you're, you're my apple of my eye. There was none of that. So I have to this day, no idea what it was that she saw in that 30 second exchange between me and my husband, but it just goes to show you. It rocked her world. It rocked her world. And the Lord brought that specific woman into my specific house because he knew her need and he knew that that exchange with my husband would meet that need. And I'm confident to this day that it's it's penetrated her mind and it will draw her to him ultimately. And I may not have the pleasure of seeing that this side of heaven, but it's an amazing yeah. ministry where, where something <laughs> as, as silly as, you know, talking about your kids can change someone's life. Right. What amazing that God can do. And I think of you saying, honey, you got to get out of here. Come on. (laughs) There's ladies coming over. You got to leave. You got to (laughs) leave. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jamie Staple. She's the director of women's training for the Crescent Project. Talk a little bit before we go further about the women's conferences. What what happens during the day? Uh, What should a listener expect if they sign up to come to one of these? The audience for the women's training is really those women who are saying, I don't know about this. I'm nervous. I have a little anxiety. You know, I know a friend at work or I have a neighbor, but I'm just a little concerned about what it would look like for me to open my life um, to her. And so the Without Borders Conference is very much for that audience to help you gain some information uh, about their worldview. We talk about the honor-shame culture. We look at the Quran and the Hadith, the, the spiritual texts uh, for Islam, and we and we draw out what those texts say about women and a little bit of what that will look like in various cultures. But then we do some very practical training. Okay, you're scared to death, let's say. What do you need to do to get past that fear? And it's always a joy. I've had the privilege of, of Brooke Parks from Voice of the Martyrs come and, and talk about that. What does it look like to count the cost and to move past your fear? And we have women kind of identify, what does that look like? And then we give some very practical tools about, okay, if you, if you can't reach out to Muslim women because you're so anxious, then try just reaching out to strangers just, you know, to get past the fear factor and then start 
engaging, you know, with Muslim women. Very practical tips like Mm -hmm. that that can help you kind of take one step at a time. In our upcoming conference in California, we're going to do an expanded version of Without Borders, the only one that we'll do like this uh, this year, called the Weekender, the Without Borders Weekender in San Diego. And what this is going to do is take the curriculum that we usually teach, but broaden that out and include some practicums so that we actually have some coaching and some training available for women to practice and to say, what would this look like in my context? Because, you know, I have a friend from Iran and, and she's this and she's that, and we can help coach a little bit more personally than we would be able to in some of our other conferences. But ultimately, you're going to learn the worldview of a Muslim woman, and you're going to learn how the scripture meets the deepest needs that are in her heart and how you can be an instrument of sharing that voice. So so Without Borders is for that audience. Um, and, and I th- I want to emphasize the fact this is not just people who feel like God's calling them to Saudi Arabia. This is for people in America who are still going to be in America a year from now, but they simply want to be open to be used by God to reach Muslims. And that's true, although I will tell you, we also have women who are already committed to moving abroad and saying, I've never even... I'm willing for the Lord to do something in my life, but I don't have the the first notion of how that's going to look. And so she'll come uh, to Without Borders to get a good foundation, you know. But at that same level, as you mentioned, is the Bridges study, something you can take into your home, take into your Sunday school class or, or what have you, and just get that first initial engagement. And then after that, we also have tiered training. In November, we have what we call our national conference. Those people who are saying, I'm already practicing some evangelism with Muslims, but but I have some real questions. They're asking me things that, that I'm struggling with and knowing how to answer. And the national conference is like a workshop model. So you can kind of pick and choose what training is ideal. And then, of course, our top tier training is Sahara Challenge. It's like our, our 400 level, if you will. If, if you're an academic or a learning individual who loves to just kind of gather all of that or you're going overseas and need that training, that's for you. And I know my particular denomination, all of our gospel workers going to Muslim countries go to the Sahara Challenge. That's a part of their training. That's a part of how they are prepared to go into that Muslim context. We've been talking today with Jamie Staples. She's the director of women's training for Crescent Project. Jamie, before I let you go, I want to talk about how we pray for Muslims how do, how do you encourage American Christians to pray for this process, even to pray that they can be involved, but, but in general, broadly, to pray for Muslim people around them? When we pray for Muslims, the first thing to understand is that we are already in ministry at that point. Uh, as we said earlier, a lot of what happens in reaching Muslims comes after God has already prepared their heart. Well, the preparing of their heart comes through our prayer. And so we can be actively engaged in Muslim ministry just through the aspect of prayer. And I can tell you from personal experience that when we pray for Muslims, it changes our heart. So, and that's true really with with anything. You begin to pray for something and suddenly you find your heart is warming and, and softening to that. So the main thing that we want to pray for for Muslims is a unique openness and that they will just begin to, the beauty of what's going on with terrorism in the Arab Spring and things like that is this is kind of happening naturally. Muslims are beginning to look at their own faith and go, wait a minute, this is not what I subscribe to, and I'm confused. And they're just as confused as we are about what's going on. So that's given us an opening, and if we can continue to pray for continued openness in in those countries here in the United States as well, and if we can pray for God to offer them an opportunity to meet an authentic Christian witness who will give them the word of God 
speak words of truth into their life. If we can pray for them to have that kind of engagement, we are going to see something amazing, something continually amazing. I don't know if you've heard this, uh, Todd, but in the last 20 years, more Muslims have come to know Jesus Christ than in the previous 1,400 years combined. Wow. There is something astounding happening right now, and I have to believe that the fervent prayers of the church have instigated uh, that. So so we have a uh, Crescent Project has what we call a call to prayer. Every Friday, we send an email with prayer points, mm-hmm. and uh, you can subscribe to that through our website, crescentproject.org, and we'll just help you, give you some things to pray about, help you know what's going on in various countries, help you know what's happening here, and how to st- pray strategically. And, uh, and that's probably the easiest way. Every Friday at noon, many Muslims all over the world are going to the mosque for their time. Just set it in your mind. Or set it on your iPhone or set it on your watch or whatever. At noon on Fridays, I'm going to pray for Muslims. Even if it's five seconds, five minutes, you know, or an hour, I'm going to pray for Muslims at that time. And then be amazed at how God begins to open your heart. God will change your heart as you pray. It's very hard to not like someone you're praying for. It's very hard to be fearful of someone you're praying for if you're praying fervently that God will bless them. Jamie, one last question, because it's such a big issue right now in our country. Refugees, Muslims who are being displaced from their homes, some of them coming to America, some of them coming to Western Europe, coming other places. Is there anything different about reaching a refugee Muslim as opposed to reaching a a classmate or a coworker who happens to be a Muslim? Yeah, I mean, of course, with with refugees, uh, you're always— going to be looking at a, at a different section uh, of the, the community because they have been through trauma. And, and trauma is, is a very real hurdle. And especially when you're dropped off in a foreign land with carrying this trauma with you. And some of them know the language and some of them don't. So it can be really difficult to find an openness, to find an openness uh, with refugees sometimes. And yet... They're begging for anyone to, to care to care, and to help them. It sounds crazy, but if you can pick up a refugee, even if they don't speak English, take them to the doctor, take them to the grocery store. Where are the things that I need? I don't know where to find milk at Walmart. I don't know when the doctor is talking. I can't understand anything, but he's poking and prodding me. You know, what does this mean? And, and being a person who's willing to advocate uh, at that point is, is really, really powerful. The other thing that I would love to challenge your listeners is please understand that refugees are not always the lowest caste of their society. I was at a fellowship, an Arabic fellowship recently, and I was talking to a man who came from Iran. And as I spoke with him, he was talking about his businesses in Iran. Businesses, plural. Multiple. <laughs> He's a, an intelligent, brilliant businessman who had two or three homes you know, for his family and what have you. And when he came to the States, he's been here six years now, and he runs a machine on an assembly line, and he lives in an apartment because he can't get the licensing that he needs and the degrees that he needs. So please keep in mind that when you talk to refugees, you're not talking to people who don't have an education, and you're talking to people who have lost everything. And the tenderness and the compassion uh, will go a long way to reach those folks. And if you don't mind me saying, most of these refugees are victims of terrorism, not perpetrators of terrorism. They have no interest in hurting, harming uh, anyone. They're just trying to survive in a country where they feel they don't belong. And so compassion will go a really long way. 
When I think of refugees, I, I always think of one of the stories of Richard Warmbrand, who was the founder of Voice of the Martyrs. He prayed for years that God would allow him to have a ministry to Russians. In fact, he wanted God to send him to Russia. You know, Lord, I'm willing. I want to go to Russia. Please let me go. God never opened that door. Russia, the Soviet Union, invaded Richard Wormbrand's native Romania, and a million Russian soldiers came into Romania. And Richard said, thank you, Lord, you've answered my prayer. I wanted to reach Russians, and now here they are right on my doorstep. I hope that as Americans, and I don't—this is not a political statement. This is a spiritual statement. If Muslim refugees come to our doorstep, if we're praying that God will reach Muslims— and they come to our doorstep, we should say, thank you, Lord, for sending, giving me an opportunity to be a part of answering my prayer, that you will reach out to Muslims. Hey, they're here. I can reach out to them. So just a, I love that you said that, and I, I know that challenges the mindset of some of our listeners. I know that challenges the mindset of, of many American Christians of, whoa, we're so scared. We're, wait a minute. Ah, these are people that Jesus died for, and they are coming here. And uh, as one of our VOM Radio guests said, even if they are terrorists, what does the Bible say we're supposed to do? It says we're supposed to love them. So just a reminder, and I know we'll get some emails about that, but uh, <laughs> I will read all of them. So feel free to send them. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jamie Staples. She's the director of women's training for Crescent Project. I want to encourage you to go to crescentproject.org, connect with them, sign up for that weekly prayer email, purchase the Bridges DVD curriculum. You will be challenged and you will be inspired. One of my favorite parts that I've always remembered, Fuad Masri, who's the founder of the Crescent Project, makes the statement that when he starts a conversation with Muslims, he says, Lord, I'm willing to talk about spiritual things but you make the conversation go in that direction. I, I won't bring it up. I won't push it in that direction. But if you open the door, I'm ready to walk through it. I love that. It, that's worth the whole curriculum just for that. Uh, and consider going to one of their conferences, whether it be one of the women's conferences or one of the more general conferences. Consider that. It will change your heart. It will encourage you. Uh, it will change how you pray. It will change how you interact with uh, your coworkers and, and with Muslims that you know. Jamie, thank you so much for your heart. I pray that through our conversation today, uh, some of our listeners have that experience that you had in the roundabout of, of God saying, hey, now you understand. Now you can reach out. Now you can love. So thank you so much for sharing and for being with us today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. And you know what I'd love to do is any of the women that are listening in your audience, if they'd love to attend uh, the Without Borders Weekender in San Diego or any of the Without Borders events, uh, when they register at crescentproject.org, if they use the discount code VOMRADIO, we will give them a discount to the uh, Without Borders Women's Training event. Jamie, thank you again for being part of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I just want to repeat the offer that Jamie just made. If you've been intrigued by what you've heard, maybe God has, has kind of picked your heart and said, hey, you could do this. He's calling you to speak to Muslims that he wants to bring your way. Maybe they're Muslims you already know, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. The Without Borders Conference will equip you to know how to speak more effectively. You're going to learn practical ways to steer the conversation toward Jesus, toward spiritual issues, and you'll get new insight into our world, into refugees and terrorism 
from women who have actually come out of Islam and chosen to follow Jesus Christ. The conference is coming to Murrieta, California, December 2 through 4 this year. It's also coming to Austin, Texas next February. For more details about that, you can visit crescentproject.org, and we will also link you from vomradio.net. When you register, use the discount code VOMRADIO to get a special discount. Next week, we're going to hear from Dr. Jason Peters and Sid Webb, two VOM staff members who have just recently returned from Southeast Asia. They're going to talk about some of the exciting things that God is doing in countries like Vietnam and Laos and other parts of Southeast Asia. So come back and join us next week to hear about Southeast Asia from Dr. Jason and Dr. Sid. You know, I think one of the more surprising parts of my interview with Jamie was when she told us that Muslims who come to faith in Christ can still face persecution even right here in the United States. As we finish up our time today, we're going to hear some similar stories from some gospel workers that we call John and Mary. You heard them earlier this year here on VOM Radio. They minister among a Muslim people group in Europe, and they've seen how Muslims coming to know Jesus, even in free nations in Europe, know that they could face intense persecution for that decision to follow Christ. Yeah, that is actually something that we've experienced with people who have a desire to come to faith um, in our context. In fact, one particular gentleman who we've been connected with, Ahmet, we'll call him, he was extremely close to becoming a believer. He'd been coming to the, the local Heart Language Fellowship. Um, he'd been a regular attender. He was studying the Bible. He was growing. He was being discipled. He was really engaged in our weekly fellowships on the weekend. He was asking great questions. He was reading it really appeared as though God was working in his life and that he was really making positive strides. Unfortunately, a couple months ago, he more or less fell off the map. We found out from another local believer who was still moderately connected to him that he was facing extreme pressure from his family and from his social network. In fact, they'd called him some very horrible names. Um, I can't believe that you would become a Christian. This is unbelievable that you would be hanging out with these people. Um, have you become a heretic? You know, you're going to pay the price for this if you don't come back to the way wow. of Islam. Um, and so even those who are living in Europe, in countries where they have freedom of religion, where they have exposure to other Christians and other people groups who are living in different ways, they're still facing extreme pressure from their friends and their family. And so unfortunately, um, that doesn't just end when they've left um, the country in which they come from. Well, and I think we talk about the culture of togetherness and community that they are a part of and that they've grown up in. And so that's a huge price to pay. You know, being cut off from your family, being cut off from that community, we might think in America, yeah, that's hard, but, you know, you just go on. You, you kind of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and go on. In that culture, that's a huge, huge, huge price. Right. And I think, you know, here in America, because we do tend to be so much more individualistic, we have the freedom to make our own decisions. We really do kind of set our own destiny, as they say. We really do kind of chart our own path going forward, then it's much easier for us to make decisions as it relates to life and faith and occupation and job and this and that. But those who come from Muslim backgrounds, and particularly those who come from cultures that are so community driven, everything about their life is dictated by the community and the family. And at the top of that, of course, is the issue of religion. And so when they're, you know, making decisions 
you know, to follow a, a, a different way or to change religion or to follow Jesus in this case, it can have really devastating consequences on their connectivity to their family and their social network. If I can just share one other quick story, this is about a female believer in the fellowship uh, where we serve. She came to faith in the Lord in Europe, so outside of her of, of the country in which she was raised, and her mother found out that she had become a follower of Jesus. Her mother contacted her and said, have you become a Christian? She said, yes, I have. Her mother said, well, you either have to choose me or you have to choose your faith in Jesus. Wow. And this woman said, mom, I love you and I respect you, but I will never give up Jesus. And since then she has had no contact with her mother. That's a high price to pay. Hmm. You've been listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.